The Year of the Big Thaw by Marion Zimmer Bradley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Year of the Big Thaw by Marion Zimmer Bradley. Mr. Emmett did his duty by the visitor from another world, never doubting the right of it. You say Matthew is your own son, Mr. Emmett. Yes, Reverend Owen, and a better boy never stepped if I do say it as shouldn't. I've trusted him to drive team for me since he was eleven, and you can't say more than that for a farm boy. Way back when he was a little shaver so high, when the war came on, he was bound and he was going to sail with Admiral Thurgood. You know boys that age like runaway colts. I couldn't see no good in his being cabin boy on some tarnation navy ship, and I told him so. If he'd wanted to sail out on a whaling ship, I allow I'd have let him go. But Marthy, that's the boy's ma, took on so that Matt stayed home. Yes, he's a good boy and a good son. We'll miss him a powerful lot if he gets that scholarship thing. But I allow it'll be good for the boy to get some learning besides what he gets in the school here. It's right kind of you, Reverend, to look over this application thing for me. Well, if he is your own son, Mr. Emmett, why did you write birthplace unknown on the line here? Reverend I'm glad you asked me that question. I've been turning it over in my mind, and I've just about come to the conclusion it wouldn't be no-how fair to hold it back. I didn't lie when I said Matt was my son, because he's been a good son to me and Marthy, but I'm not his pa, and Marthy ain't his ma. So could be I stretched the truth just a mite, Reverend Dunn. It's eternal family yarn, but I'll walk into the meeting house and swear to it on a stack of Bibles as thick as a cordis wood. You know I've been farming the old corning place this past seven year. It's good, flat, Connecticut bottomland but it isn't like our land up in Hampshire where I was born and raised. My pa called it the Hampshire Grants, and all that was King's Land when his pa came in there and started farming at the foot of Shattuck Mountain. That's engine for fires, folks say, because the engines used to build fires up there in the spring for some of their heathen doodads. Anyhow, up there in the mountains we see a tarnal power of queer things. You call to mind the year we had the big thaw. About twelve years before the war. You mind the blizzard that year. I heard tell it spread down most to York. And at Fort Orange, the place they call Albany now, the Hudson froze right over, so they say. But those York folks do a sight of exaggerating, we're told. Anyhow, when the ice went out there was an almighty good thaw all over. And when the snow run off Shattuck Mountain, there was a good-sized hunk of farmland in our valley went under water. The creek on my farm flowed over in the bank, and there was a foot of water in the cowshed. And down in the swimming hole in the back pasture wasn't nothing but a big gully, fifty foot more across, rushing through the pasture, deep as a lake and brown as the old cow. You know, fresh as flood. Fill up with sticks and stones and old dead trees and somebody's old shed floating down the middle. And I swear to goodness, partisan. That stream was running along so fast I saw four-inch cobblestones floating and bumping along. Tied the cow and the calf, and Kate, she was our white mare. You mind she went lame last year, and I had to shoot her. 
but she was just a young mare then and skittish as all get out but she was a good little mare anyhow i tied the whole kit and caboodle of them in the woodshed up behind the house where they'd be dry and i started to get the milk pail right then i heard the gosh awfulest screech i ever heard in my life sound like thunder and the freshet and forest fire all at once i dropped the milk pail as i heard marthy scream inside the house and i run outside marthy was already there in the yard and she points up in the sky and yelled look up yonder we stood looking up at the sky over shattuck mountain where there was a great big shoot now and i don't know as i can call its name but it was like a trail of fire in the sky and it was making the dangest racket you ever heard reverend looked kind of like one of them fourth of july skyrockets but it was as big as a house marthy was screaming and she grabbed me and hollered hez hez what in thunk it is it and when marthy cusses like that reverend she don't know what she's saying she's so scared i was plumb scared myself i heard liza that's her young'un liza grace that got married to the tailor boy i heard her crying on the stoop and she come flying out with her pony tail back and hollered to marthy that the pea soup was burning marthy let out another screech and ran for the house that's the woman for you so i quieted liza down some and i went and told marthy it weren't no more than one of them shooting stars then i went and did the milking you know while we were sitting down to supper there came the most awful grinding screeching pounding crash i ever heard sounded if it were in the back pasture but the house shook as something had hit it martha jumped a mile and i never saw such a look on her face hez what was that she asked she now nothing but the freshest i told her but she kept on about it you reckon that shooting star fell in our back pasture hez well now i don't allow it did nothing like that i told her but she was as jittery as an old hen and it weren't like her nohow she said it sounded like trouble and i finally quieted her down by saying i'd saddle kate up and go have a look kind of thought though i didn't tell marthy that somebody's house had floated away in the freshet and rung against our back pasture so i saddled up kate and told marthy to get some hot rum ready in case there was some poor soul run aground back there and rode kate back to the back pasture it was mostly uphill because the top of the pasture is on high ground and a slope down to the creek on the other side of the rise well i reached the top of the hill and looked down the creek were a regular river now rushing along like niagara on the other side of it was a stand of timber then the slope of shattuck mountain and i saw right away the long streak where the timber had been cut out in a big scoop with roots standing up in the air and a big slide of rocks down to the water it was still raining the mite and the ground was sloshy and squashy underfoot kate scrunched her hoofs and got real balky not liking it a bit but when we got to the top of the pasture she started to whine and wicker and stomp and no matter how loud i woo-hawed she kept on a-stompin and i was plumb scared she'd pitch me off into the mud then i started to smell a funny smell like something burning now don't ask me how anything could burn in all that water because i don't know when we came up on the rise i saw the contraption reverend it was the most 
tarnal crazy contraption i ever saw in my life it was bigger than mark cowshed and as long and thin as shiny as marthy's old pewter picture her ma brought from england it had a pair of red rods sticking out behind and a crazy globe fitting up where the top ought to be it was stuck in the mud turned halfway over on the little side of roots and rocks and i could see what had happened all right the thing must have been now reverend you can say what you like but that thing must have flew across shattuck and landed on the slope in the trees and turned over and slid down the hill that must have been the crash we heard the rods weren't just red they were red hot i could hear them sizzle as the rain hit them in the middle of the infernal contraption there was a door and it hung all to other as if every hinge on it had been wrenched halfway off suppose old kate alongside had heard somebody hollering alongside the contraption i didn't know how to get the words but it must have been for help because i looked down and there was a man flopping along in the water he was a big fellow and he wasn't swimming just thrashing and hollering so i pulled off my coat and boots and hove in after him the stream was running fast but he was near the edge and i managed to catch on to an old tree root and hang on keeping his head out of the water till i got my feet aground then i hauled him on the bank up above me kate was still whinnying and raising ned and i shouted at her as i bent over at the man well reverend he sure gave me a surprise weren't no proper man i'd ever seen before he's wearing some kind of red clothes real shiny and sort of stretchy and not wet from the water like you'd expect but dry and it felt like that silken india rubber stuff mixed together and it was such a bright red that i first i didn't see the blood on it when i did i knew he were a goner his chest were all stove in smashed to pieces one of the old tree roots must have jabbed him as the current flung him down i thought he were dead already but then he opened up his eyes funny color they were greeny yellow and i swear reverend when he opened them eyes i felt he's reading my mind i thought maybe he might be one of them circus fellers in their flying contraptions that hang at the bottom of a balloon he spoke to me in english kind of choky and stiff not like joe the portuguese sailor or like the tarnal dumb frenchies up in canady way but well funny he said my baby in ship get baby he tried to say more but his eyes went shut and he moaned hard i yelled god almighty excuse me reverend but i was so blame upset that it's just what i did say god almighty man you mean there's a baby in that dingful contraption he just moaned so after spreading my coat around the man a little bit i just plunged in that thin river again reverend i heard tell once about some tomfool idiot going over niagara in a barrel and i tell you it was like that when i tried crossing that freshet to reach the contraption i went under and down and was whacked by floating sticks and whirled around in the freshet but somehow i don't know how except by the pure grace of god i got across that raging torrent and climbed up to where the crazy dingful machine was sitting ship he called it but that were no ship reverend it was some flying dragon kind of thing it was a real scary-looking thing, but I clumb up to the little door and hauled myself inside it. And sure enough, there was other people in the cabin. 
only they was all dead. There was a lady and a man and some kind of an animal looked like a bobcat, only smaller, with funny-shaped rooster comb hanging on its head. They all, even the cat thing, was wearing those shiny, stretchy clothes, and it was all so battered and smashed I didn't even bother to hunt for their heartbeats. I could see by a look they was dead as a doornail. Then I heard a funny little whimper like a kitten, and in a funny rubber-cushioned thing there's a little boy baby, looked about six months old. He was howling lusty enough, and when I lifted him out of the cradle kind of thing, I saw why. That boy baby was wet, and his little arm was twisted under him. That there flying contraption must have smashed down awful hard, but that rubber hammock was so soft and cushiony, all it did to him was jolt him good. I looked around, but I couldn't find anything to wrap him in, and the baby didn't have a stitch on him, except for a shortest spongy paper diaper, wet as sin. So I finally lifted up the lady who had a long cape thing around her, and I took the cape off her real gentle. I knew she was dead, and she wouldn't be needing it, and that boy baby would catch his death if I took him out bare naked like that. She was probably the baby's ma, a right pretty woman she was, but smashed up something shameful. So anyhow, to make a long story short, I got that baby boy across that Niagara Falls somehow and laid him down by his paw. The man opened his eyes kind and said in a choky voice, Take care, baby. I told him I would and said I'd try to get him up to the house where Marthy could doctor him. The man told me not to bother. I'm dying, he says. We come from planet star up there, crash here. His voice trailed off in a language I couldn't understand. It looked like he was praying. I bent over him and held his head in my hands real easy, and I said, Don't worry, mister. I'll take care of your little feller until your folks come after him. Before God, I will. So the man closed his eyes, and I said, Our Father, which art in heaven. And when I got through, he was dead. I got him up on Kate, but he was cruel heavy for all he was such a tall, skinny fella. Then I wrapped that there baby up in the cape thing and took him home and gave him to Marthy. And the next day I buried the fellow in the south meadow, and the next meeting day we had the baby baptized, Matthew, Daniel, Emmett, and brung him up just like our own kids. That's all. All? Mr. Emmett, didn't you ever find out where that ship really came from? I reverend. He said it came from a star. Nine men don't lie, you know that. I asked a teacher about them planets he mentioned, and she says that on one of the planets, can't rightly remember the name, March or Mark or something like that, she says some big scientist feller with a telescope saw canals on that planet. And it'd have to be pretty near as big as this here Erie Canal to see them so far off. And if they could build canals on that planet, I don't know why they couldn't build a flying machine. I went back the next day when the water was down a little to see if I couldn't get the rest of them folks and bury them. The flight machine had broken up, washed down the creek. Marthy's still got the cape thing. She's a powerful saving woman. We never did pell Matt, though. Might make him feel funny to think he didn't really belong to us. But, uh, but, Mr. Emmett, didn't anybody ask questions about the baby, where you got it? Well, now, 
I'll allow they was curious because Martha hadn't been in the family way and they knew it. But up here folks minds their own business pretty well, and I just let them wander. Told Liza Grace I'd found her new little brother in the back pasture, and of course it was the truth. When Liza Grace grew up, she just thought it was just one of them yarns old folks tell the little shavers. And has Matthew ever shown any differences from the other children that you could see? Well, Reverend, not so as you could notice. He's powerful smart. But his real pa and ma must have been right smart, too, to build a flyman's contraption that could come so far. Of course, when he was about twelve years old, he started reading folks' minds, which didn't seem exactly right. He'd tell Marthy what I was thinking and things like that. He was just at a pesky age. Liza Grace and Minnie were both a-courtin' then, and he'd drive their boyfriends crazy telling them what Liza Grace and Minnie were a-thinkin', and teased the gals by telling them what the boys were thinking about. There weren't no harm in the boy, though. It was just all teasing. But it just weren't decent somehow, so I took him out behind the woodshed and gave his britches a good dustin' just to remind him that that kind of thing weren't polite nohow. Reverend Doan, he ain't never done it since. End of the Year of the Big Thaw by Marion Zimmer Bradley